Hey everyone, welcome to You'll Probably Agree, and my god, we're back. We're back in the bar. Can you believe this? Woo. I can't. This oh is amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, stunned. And back at the bar with me is Pat McDonald from Hollywood, Chicago, and Ian Simmons from Kicking the Seat, and I'm Mike Crawley from You'll Probably Agree, and we have 10 movies this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to go over, but we'll be. But I think we can power through and do it. So let's see our thoughts on each of them. So for the first movie, I chose since this is an Irish-themed bar run by an <laughs> Irishman. I decided to pick the most Irish movie you could possibly imagine. Yes, the Irishman? Irishman? No, oh, that was that was a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was a little while ago. <laughs> But, uh, no, everything, everywhere at once. No, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Banshees of Inisherin, or is it Inisherin? No, not it's Inisherin. Sure. Inisherin. And, and they say it enough in the film so you know how to pronounce it. Right. <laughs> right. I'm I, grateful for that. I'd never looked at the spelling. I thought it was Inisherin, but it's Inisherin. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Inisherin. Yeah, I, that was an interesting movie to me because that's a film about sort of your place in the world and who do you want to really be your friend. And sort of the, the destruction of, of relationships. Uh, but it was a fascinating piece. What did you guys think about it? Well, you know, it's interesting. I just recently found out that it was, uh, I guess it was symbolic for the Irish Civil War. Mm. And, you know, how, how just people who live on the same land suddenly can't, you know, be together. And, but, but, you know, be that as it may, um, I, I, I'm not as enthusiastic. It was in my top 25 because it was so unusual. Top 25? I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, went, I went 15 beyond the wow. 10, sir. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering, like, where it is. In, is it, like, 24? Is it no, 20? no, it's in, the, it's in the teens. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know exactly where it is. I don't memorize my list. Anyway. Uh, no, but I, I, uh, I – it made me uncomfortable, which I think was probably the point. Mm. I mean, I, the one thing I'll say about the friendships in it, I've gone through that, where yeah. people start just going their own way. It's cool. You know, that's life. But when you're stuck in the same island with somebody, that's a different story. Mm. So, and with the symbolic aspect. But, but I just thought, if you want to take it on a literal level, the guy's insane. Nobody is, is insane enough to do what he did, and no spoilers, do what he did for this particular friendship. Ian? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I liked the movie. I need to watch it again, I think, because yeah. with a lot of, especially award season movies, it works on a bunch of different levels. You're not necessarily prepared for all of them, you know, the Good first point. time around. But I took it, I didn't know about the uh, Irish Civil War metaphor either, except that, you know, it, beyond metaphor, you can actually see parts yeah. of the conflict yeah, from exactly. the mainland going on from, from I don't know why I didn't figure Sharon. it out at the time, right. but there it is. Um, but no, I, I looked at it more, this is just me pulling stuff out of thin air, I, maybe, but I looked at it as a metaphor for social media mm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and modern uh, media consumption, because Brendan Gleeson's character the premise is he essentially ends his friendship, his life, at least adult long friendship with Colin Farrell's character, um, because he essentially he wants to write and compose and create great music that will be remembered centuries after he's gone. He's yeah. feeling his immortality or his mortality, mm. and he doesn't think that he can maintain a friendship with someone who is unrelentingly dull in his estimation uh, and still and become a great artist. Right? And he sort of proves it during. 
movie. Well, he, that, that's, that was the brilliance of his. Uh, he he does, but I mean that's that, that's the that's the thing and part of the tragedy of the movie. Not getting into spoilers, but Colin Farrell maintains, and everybody on the island agrees, he is a very nice guy. Yeah, he's a very good nice. friend, but he is also spectacularly dull. Dull. So you have yeah. to weigh that of what's more important: this idea of chasing fame and immortality versus opening your eyes and enjoying the people around you, or at least finding a way to live with them. And I think that kind of speaks to to where we are right now. I had not heard that social media comparison. Yeah, I didn't think about social. So so totally apt. So how does it work with social media then? Because like in a way, is everyone on the island? He's he's taking him off his page. He's he's defriending him. He's he's totally ignoring. They were they were bosom buddies on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, Uh, that's even the dated term. But uh, (laughs) yeah, it's meta now. Yeah, canceled. Thank you. (laughs) So you know you know and then. Then same with all the other accounts. He's gone. He's 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 gone. Yeah, and I mean the most hurtful thing is these guys can see each other every day. So when he's at that bar, which seems to be like the only bar within that region, it's like he has to have that person next to him, and there's just all that tension. It's a very tension. Yeah, yeah. It's a tension filled movie. Yeah, especially because they don't tell you until like a half hour into the movie when this is set. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that it, it takes place in 1923, I believe, because mm, yeah. he changes the calendar from yeah. March 31st to April 1st or whatever, and you see the date. And at first, I was wondering, is this just a really old calendar? But no, this is where this is when they are, and but it's got that feeling of timelessness because right. they wear nice kind of. I guess it's kind of old-fashioned clothing once you realize but what gee, time yes, period exactly. it is. But you're not. It doesn't. They're not like it doffing top hats or something like that. You know. <laughs> Uh, right. But the 1890s. Yeah. Right. But, well, I think the intention is to make it feel like this is a place that never really ages yeah. or changes. Yeah. Or like you're in this place. It's, it's sort of like it's a metaphor for, you know, moving on with your life. You know, whether if you're going to college or if you're going somewhere else. And if you're stuck somewhere that never changes and everything is the same, then your life's going to be extremely limiting. And I think Brendan Gleeson was realizing, like, there's not much left for me but my music, but right. to cut off his friendship, I don't know how that would yeah. like add time well, to yeah. wasting his time. <laughs> or especially- because he's always at the pub anyway. Yeah. But uh, the one thing I wanted to say is this horrible emotional situation is going on. Uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Uncomfortable for the audience, uncomfortable for the characters on screen. And it's in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes. You know, <laughs> the, the cinematography in this, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I see yeah. this on the big screen. They didn't have to do much. Just point the camera and shoot. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Well, but I mean, it, yeah, it's a beautiful setting, but it does raise questions like, why did Brendan Gleeson's character not just do what Colin Farrell's sister did right. towards yeah. the end of the movie and just move to the mainland? I know yeah. it's fraught with conflict and everything. But it's almost like he just didn't feel like he could. He wanted to do great things, but he could have moved to a place where there's at least a scene. Yeah. You know, artists and other people perhaps like-minded. The other thing I think of is uh, Barry Keegan's character. Yeah. Who is, you know, if you want to get into this, uh, you know, bring it into a modern parlance, almost like sort of like an incel. But not, yeah. not like a creepy kind of thing, but he just he has right. trouble connecting with people. Right. People have a kind of a low estimation of him. He doesn't, you know, he's not very well educated and he has no game yeah and he finally steps out of his shell to make that big approach and then what happens happens and then what happens after that happens um it's a very same thing with uh brent gleason's character you know and and then the effect of all of that compounds onto what happens to i'm so 
sorry, I'm just talking around no, what no, happens no, at the no, end. No, but no, for the audience, mostly like, yeah, what yeah. is he talking about? But no, yeah. the, the, what happens to Colin Farrell's character at the end is a compounding of all of these kind of external forces yep. sort of forcing him to make even a subconscious choice of yeah. like, who am I going to be in this new world? And That's so yikes. True. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm true. just wondering like if Brendan Gleeson was afraid to leave the island because he's like, yeah, I can make movie music that will be remembered. But nobody's gonna care what I do out in Los Angeles or something like that. Well, also, in, he, he, again, yeah. you're, you know, it's like I said initially. If you take the film literally, if you take it on the surface, you're gonna say, "Well, why didn't he just leave?" Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, but he didn't. But it, and I think he wanted to to make music with the people on the island. That yeah. was the point. Because he, he could make it a, a, an actual splash. Because he was he was he was imp- he, well he was sort of that's a great point. He was importing students right to yeah. come and sort of uh, right. sort of audition to, to be part of his bar band. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I'd almost forgotten that part. Well, but it's, yeah. it could just be a, a kind of a, a natural human thing of like once you get older. This isn't true for everybody. Right. But you just kind of get. You settle where you are, and you're like, well, I'm, like I'm good here. He doesn't know anybody else. Probably. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'm going to pick up and start a new life. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's a... Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds here's, like... Sounds here's like, my music. Can you guys put it on the radio? Like, who, who are you? No, no, we can't. <laughs> the Banshees of what? No. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I had that rank number three on my oh. list of rankings. Of nice. rankings for movies. Yes. Yeah. And it was in my top 25. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the teens. All right. Uh, yeah, well... I'm transitioning from well, so What's well, I guess yeah, I guess before we wrap up, uh, so you guys liked that movie or didn't like it? Thumbs up, thumbs up. It's a mild thumbs up for me. Yeah. Um, again, I have to watch it again to really kind of appreciate everything that was going on. It's a movie I like thinking about more than I liked watching it. Right. Watching the trailer, you get the feeling that it's more comedic and more dramatic than it actually is. This yeah. is definitely slow cinema. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. It and it's is. Martin McDonough like actually holding back a bit because you like if you see three billboards oh my outside God. of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, and, and, and in Bruges, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think Farrell's the inside track on that best actor. He was just unforgettable. He was fantastic in yeah, that. And yeah. if he does win the Oscar, I wouldn't be upset about it. No. Although I'd like to see... It'd be interesting to win. see what that race will be. But this is the best picture. What's next? <laughs> All right. All right. So... Outside of Banshees of Inna Sharon, we have Elvis, which, eh, like, it's a very Boz Lerman movie. You know, you have the usage of modern music incorporated into a period piece. You have a lot of graphic match cuts to the next scene. It feels like, but it's a li- I guess it's slightly restrained from his other mm-hmm. stuff. Like, if you compare it to Moulin Rouge, it's a lot lighter or, uh, than Gatsby, that. yeah. 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 But like Elvis overall was like a, uh, it was like a, what's the word I use for it? It's a highlight reel biopic where it goes over the most public moments of someone's life and then they put it in the picture. And there was nothing that really stood out to me in the film other than Austin Butler's performance. He Mm. was great in it. I think, I think the world agrees about this. This is the most disappointing movie of the year for me. Mm. I love Elvis. I, I know Elvis. I've read all the bios. Uh, I, I don't collect his music that much. I'm more fascinated with him as a public figure rather than a musician, although who can deny he helped invent rock and roll. But um, so t- obviously when, when Hanks came on board, they had to give him a meteor role, and then suddenly some genius came up with, well, let him be on his deathbed. You know, we're talking about Colonel Tom Parker. Right. 
So he has to be a focus, and he just takes away from he 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 squeezes the juice out of that movie with his role. Yeah. He did, and then like you said, it becomes just a series of highlights because you, you have to have the Colonel Tom part. Oh, so that's yeah. it. The most disappointing movie of the year for oh, me. Yeah. Ian, <laughs> let me throw it to you. <laughs> I am. This is the biggest dis, one of the biggest disappointments of 2022 for oh, me. Yeah. In the fact that I didn't see this in the theater mm. i watched it on hbo mm. max between yesterday and today okay. in preparation for this i loved it okay. i hate okay. i hate baz Luhrmann pictures okay oh, wow. romeo and juliet uh moulin rouge yeah. gatsby i find ballroom, him da- ballroom? Or not strictly ballroom. strictly ballroom i've not seen that oh, in fairness that's his best. um but <laughs> what i thought with it, you use the word restraint i think that's perfect because there, there are bits that I definitely would take out involving the Tom Parker character, especially towards mm. the beginning where yeah. he's imagining, you know, he's being rushed to the hospital because he had some kind of a, yeah. a cardiac event. And we're kind of inside his almost comatose brain is going through this fake casino and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. By the end, you understand why that setting is what it is. And it's almost his own personal hell. And it's the only kind of way that he can describe his life is through the context of gambling. But in the moment, it is just a bit too much. And I had heard all the stories about, like, Tom Hanks looks terrible in the fat suit. I agree. If you watch the trailer and see any of the stills, I think he really works in this yeah. in this part. Austin, Bal- Austin Butler, I think, is phenomenal. Uh, he is my personal pick for best actor. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I, I am not as big an Elvis buff as, as Pat, but I thought that this movie did as much justice as possible to getting at what kind of drove Elvis crazy. Mm -hmm. The highlight reel, I think, is very important Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, because I agree, it can be a little bit obnoxious, you know, the traditional biopic, but what I loved is you get the context for these big performances that he does, you know, the different TV venues and and uh, when he's at the, I guess the internet was the international actually a was that a hotel or did they just like rename it that because of rights or something because I don't remember that being a place in Vegas. I, I don't. I, I think I think it was fake. I can't remember what wh- where he room, was in residence. What yeah, yeah. where his residence? Yeah, was. when they make the big deal that he's going to Vegas and they're doing all those shows there. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the, the the Sands and all this stuff and the International. Like what? <laughs> um, but no, I, I don't remember that one. But no, I, I was completely uh, Is moved. That the one Bugsy Malone known. <laughs> Bugs Bunny? No. Um, but I I was really moved by by yeah. his performance. You know, granted that might just be because I relate to <laughs> I'm telling my wife, like I totally related to Elvis Presley by the end of this movie. Um, <laughs> and and for, for reasons I will not go into on this show. Uh, it's just hard being famous. No, um but I the one knock I'll have against it is the music you know, I love Suspicious Minds. It's one of my favorite Elvis songs, but they keep repeating that I'm caught in a trap in the last yeah. hour of the movie. I'm mm-hmm. like, I get it. Elvis is a victim of his own success and he's trapped and he can't he can't move on. Yeah. But they do different riffs on that song, like ten of them in the last hour. I'm like, I don't really like this song anymore. <laughs> oh god, they, they played it to death. They ruined it. Yeah. See, and, and and I'll just add one more thing about Hank's performance. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. He, <laughs> no, he just thought too much about what this character would be. I don't. I don't think he had to think that much about Colonel Tom. Well, he sounded like you an could, SNL. You could have made him a, a Southern gentleman, 
And nobody would have said boo. Well, but he had to come up with that Danish. Yeah, what hybrid. was that accent that he had? But I it's think okay. it but was. It's just. It's just. I thought it was just too. It much was silly. I felt like he was just phoning it in when he That's was doing that. I I didn't think he was phoning no, it he was at all. No, definitely not phoning it. No, in. I really? think I think he committed to something no. too hard. Yes. But mm. it might have been a miscalculation. But I didn't know what Tom Parker sounded like at all. I didn't know much about him. Right. My only frame of reference was Paul Giamatti and Bubba Hotep. <laughs> um, so, but still so seeing him here, what I thought was great because they don't—they come up right at the precipice of saying it. Yeah. That he was like an, an escaped Nazi or something like that because he's like, well, yeah. well he's got a fake name. His last name is very German right, sounding. Right. Um, he has no—he can't go anywhere internationally. Yeah. And there was that great bit where Priscilla was like, "Aren't you going to be in that Star Is Born movie?" And he's, and Elvis is like. Oh uh, yeah, the colonel didn't get along with Barbara Streisand. <laughs> well, a lot yeah. of people don't get yeah. along with Barbara Streisand. There, there I, I just it, I felt like it was a lot of code around his past. Yes, the greatest miss opportunity in casting history. Seriously, if if Elvis would have made that film, it would have been an instant classic, and it would have been up there with the Garland, uh, the Garland one. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately. I have to watch it again. <laughs> I've never seen that version. Oh, I've only seen the, the right. Gaga one. On the I do know I was entertained by it, but I but I but I felt like something was missing from it when I was watching Elvis. Yeah, and I think that the, banana sandwiches. Maybe that yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, one thing that was missing, which I understand, to go over the movie. He met Priscilla Presley when she was like. 13 yep. right yeah they left that part and, that, out. and no, they, they mentioned that she was a teenager i yeah. think they said that i think they said she was 15 or something like that yeah she mentioned that she was a young teenager yeah and it was kind of scandalous but they didn't really they didn't really into go it. into it that much which i can't blame I may them be, for i, I may be a... mixing him up with jerry lee lewis who i think buried his cousin when she was 13 I think, like you said, I think Priscilla was a bit older, but not 17 yet. Right, right. Could yeah. be 15, could be 16, but not 17. Well, he married her at 23. But, yeah, it was a fact that I understand why they skipped it over because, you know, this is a movie about Elvis and his work and who he is as a person. It's not sort of like a hit piece on him or anything like that. You know, but who, who, I should know this. Who played uh, Priscilla? Uh, you know it's, what? It's I actually a, have it in my it's notes. An actor don't I? That actually, I don't, I don't have think it in my she's notes. Well because yeah. I thought um, first, at first, I thought it was Lily James, um, uh, but um, no, I thought she was was really good. Not it's only Olivia had... du, Dulongo, Delange. Okay. Uh, okay. There we go. Um, I thought she, you know, for the brief, I knew it was an unknown. <laughs> for the brief screen time she gets, I thought she was, you know, really good. She, she not only looked like Priscilla. She brought just a little bit more to it than mm -hmm. the kind of long-suffering celebrity wife we usually get in right, these things. Right, right, right. Even, though, even though they had to truncate it, uh, you know, suddenly they're getting a divorce. Okay, yeah. well, we didn't see any of the reasons, but okay. Yeah, that, yeah. that's being seen a bit off. It seemed like when uh, I'm watching that movie, Elvis is The more is nice biography way. you know, the less the movie becomes, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, that's that's showbiz. well. I mean, the the yeah. the, the drugs, the, the pills, and the constant parade of women, and him never being around for Lisa Marie. I mean, I think that was pretty pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, overall, there, there are other other more deeper and darker reasons. But I got to read up on Elvis. Oh, you got to read the <laughs> the two part bio by the uh, Peter Grudnick, I believe is his name. Uh, uh, Mystery Train, and uh, yeah, it, it's just great. It. it, it Highly recommended. Go ahead. I will say with Elvis, Lerman's style, it's alluring because it's not shot like how most people would shoot the film. You know, 
Uh, he, he adds a lot of lights and sparkles and pizzazz, which with Elvis, sure. that matches because, you know, he was a Vegas guy. You know, he had those big shows. So when you have someone with such a large style marrying together what the story is about Elvis, it, it, it turns out okay, but I didn't think it was great. Tom Hanks was just too distracting for me, right. and he had a lot of dialogue. And just one point, like, they would focus on things that didn't need to be focused on. Right. Like, the fact that Hanks, or Hanks, uh, Colonel Tom wanted it to be a Christmas show. He didn't want it to be a Christmas show. Oh, yeah. They spent 10 minutes on that screen time, and I'm like... I'd rather see more about what caused the divorce. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see less, the affair with Santa. Anne Margaret. Yeah, less of a, less doing that scene from the doors where they weren't supposed to say like "bite my wire," and then they set it on the air and the producer freaks out. It's like that same scene in every movie. It's like you're not going to perform that song, are you? No, he's not going to perform it. I, yeah, again, I, we don't. We could do like an entire hour on Elvis, but I thought yeah. that scene with the you know uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. I thought yeah. it was. I thought that whole sequence was great. Yeah, and I think the the resolution of it, you know, how they came up with a an alternative to fool kind of the, this with yeah. the singer uh, sewing machine people uh, the next day was was great. I will just say I, I started off by saying I wish I'd seen this in the theater. I really do. Yeah. Um, I think uh, intentionally or not, Lerman drew on Elvis's lo like childhood love of comic books and specifically yeah. what, Captain Marvel Jr. Right. There's a lot of comic book paneling in this movie and there's one scene I actually had the benefit of rewinding because I was watching an HBO Max and I probably would have missed it in the theater. At one point during a, a Vegas show montage, Vegas, er, Vegas, Elvis, <laughs> they might, they're synonymous. Yes, the, the, yeah. pan, the screen is split into like six panels and on the right hand side, Elvis throws his guitar out of the panel, kind of like She-Hulk style, and one of the aides on a different panel, a different stage, a different <laughs> catches show, it. catches it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, just, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> well, he's an amazing editor, Boz Lerman. You know, he, he has a very unique eye and style that, you know, can separate some people, but, you know, that that's what, just like Zack Snyder, it's like, do I love his movies? No, but I do love the fact that you can watch a frame from his film and know immediately that's his film. Yes. You know, and that's what you can do with Boz Lerman. So and even, we can do another hour on Boz Lerman. Yeah, but yes, I have a, an opinion, but <laughs> we'll move on to the next yeah, film. Of course, yes. So we got Tar, which was the tar. next one. Now that that one, that's Nation. Not, oh gosh, Tar <laughs> Nation. Tar Nation. Tar is born. Sorry, we can, do this, we can do this whole night. Oh my God. Now that now there's a movie that challenges you. Tar. Tar is born. Yeah, yes. because I I thought it was broken when I first started the movie, because they because I got a screener. I didn't see it in the theater. I kind of wish I did, but yeah. then again, I probably would have gotten really tired during that movie, because not that it's boring, but it's right. very, very slow paced. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. if you see the ads for the movie, the ads aren't like that at all. Like no. on TV. They're like putting yeah. in this big dramatic music and they show Kate Blanchett composing like oh, her hair's going all over the place. <laughs> yeah. The guy in the voice over like, one shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like all that stuff, all the, the trail I'm convinced is probably like the last five minutes of or the, the climax of the movie. Yeah. I mean, that became extremely clear as I was watching this film. I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of those movies where I'm not supposed to understand everything. I'm just supposed to kind of get it later that or i'm just stupid it's no, an, no, no, it's, no. it's an oscar bait and switch no it, um. it is um it, the, the the thing that's brilliant about it of course is it completely comments on social media now yeah completely comments on hashtag me too but switches it yeah and shows how power is more the 
seductress yeah. than uh, seduction or sexual seduction. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, her power, and we see powerful men do this all the time. Yeah. They exploit that power and, and switch it in their heads for what they're actually feeling about somebody. That's a great way of but, uh, uh, that, at that, it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's why it was like number two on my experience list. Mm. It just, it, it really was a great morality in that film and a mm. great way of, and, and the fact that she never gave up, I loved it, so go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I agree, that's one that I watched. <laughs> like, I watched that and Elvis in two parts over the same mm -hmm. two days. Um, and That's I think, back it, but, it was, but it was, yes, but it was very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I got, you know, full credit to Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I think she is oh, yeah. probably, and I haven't yeah, seen all of the best actress. Nom well, I haven't seen all the Ooh. best actress nominations. I've heard good things about Andrea Riseborough, but I haven't seen to Leslie yet. Um, you're not mentioning much. It's, oh. it's, eh. she's <coughs> great. Nick. I say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but Kate Blanchett is, is phenomenal in this movie. Not in the way that, like, oh, she's going for that gold. It's just yeah. a really strong performance in a character. I, I didn't quite understand earlier on when this movie came out. Yeah. There were stories mm. about people getting frustrated because they were looking up online, like, who is who was the real <laughs> Lydia Tarr? Yeah. And that's because Todd Field, who wrote and directed this movie, yeah. created this character out of whole cloth, yeah. but yeah. is so convincing yes. in yeah. every detail of her gender. life and career. Well, yeah, but, I mean, like... The it opens essentially with her being interviewed, I think, on a big stage by someone from the New Yorker, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah, goes on yeah, for yeah. like 10, 15 minutes, it feels like. I mean, right. I thought it was like, this is this should be called woman talking. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. But once they cut away from that and go to the rest of the movie, like, no, I would sit here and watch her talk about this fake career she's had for an yeah. hour. Like, I mean, it's it was so great. convincing. In, 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 the, in the preliminary, too, it's for, foreshadowing what's about to come. Yes. You know? yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those things that you want to go back after you finished and go back and say, well, let me watch that scene again. But I didn't do it. And it's interesting how they use music. Because I was worn out after seeing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how they use music in that movie because there is oh, no God. real score. You never no. hear music. You're right. Unless they're composing a piece. And you never see the full piece put on the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that sort of kind of gives it that methodical pace where you can sort of see this character who's slowly coming apart. But it's not done in an overdramatic way until one particular scene that I want to give up, but it gave me like big uh, whiplash sort of memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is. A, it's a great companion piece. Yeah. To whiplash, different stories, but yeah. but you know, it, it's almost like if it, we were it would seeing be a good the. Um, feature. Uh, my gosh, what was the name of the the teacher in Whiplash? Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> How could I forget that? He shares my last name. Or I share his last name. <laughs> but no, it's almost like if we were watching a movie about him. Yeah. Uh, instead of focusing on the Miles Teller character. Yeah. Um, and I thought, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascination. I also love that when the, the, the st I knew this was a Me Too style story. Right. Or involved that kind of thing. But I thought it was going to be much more central to the overall film. It's not introduced into like the last half hour of the movie. And then everything, as they say, it builds up slowly, and then everything kind of crumbles, you know, right. in rapid succession. The last right. half hour of this movie, things, you know, cut, 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 yeah. cut, time, really location. Amazing. And each yeah. of those little mo, because the movie is about kind of like, a lot of indie films do this. I don't know if this qualifies as an indie film. It kind of does. Where they're cutting to a lot of moments where it's like raw audio, or not raw audio, there's no score. 
so you feel like a fly on the wall watching a character in mm -hmm. the movie. And this very much is a piece where you're watching someone where she's not necessarily like a bad person. She just does bad things. And she's complicated where, you know, everyone can say, oh, no, she's terrible. She, but, like, she doesn't do anything outwardly cruel. So for, to an extent, she, you care she for her. She had gotten away with it for years. That was the point. Yeah. She had not changed her style. The, the society caught up with making that style toxic. Yeah. And that's what happened. She was just a toxic person by the time everything started to crumble. Yeah, I think it just kept, so. just started to, like, pile up, you know, because the power of social media cause people to well, say something. Well, I think pile up is a great phrase because, you know, she doesn't seem like the kind of vindictive person yeah. where, because it comes out, I think, in the deposition there yeah. because one of the people that she was with ends up committing suicide, and so there's, yeah. like, an investigation. And the lawyers are saying, well, the, one of the accusations is that you made this person's yeah, impossible to get another job with another symphony yes. and all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah. that doesn't necessarily, I can see her ignoring someone or like shutting them out, but not vindictively saying, you know, blacklist this person or whatever. Right. But when we see a couple of screenshots of emails, like doing keyword searches and you look at this mountain of evidence against her, yeah. it's yeah. almost like the cumulative effect. Yeah. She's just so like reckless and careless, but that adds up to maliciousness that can destroy someone's well, life. Well, how far yeah. back did Weinstein go? I mean, yeah. to the 90s. Uh, at it's least, like I mean, they, it, they were around since it, the 70s, right? You know, but yeah. uh, just one last thing I want to say about it. It's about classical music, and it seemed like it was about classical music, even though, as you said, yeah. and very correctly, that there wasn't that much symphony music in yeah. it. You didn't hear much symphony music. It was more the soundtrack, the, you know, the bits, yeah. not the whole thing. And the very beginning, because they kind of showed the beginning like as end credits. Yeah. And, they, right. and there's this song from a region in the world, I'm not sure where it was in the movie, but it was this very uh, unusual sounding song that actually comes back at the very end after, you know, Lydia did what she did in the States and decided to go elsewhere. But it was, an, it, it was interesting how every cut in that movie, every scene connects to the other scene because because at first like there was like one random cut where she's just boxing and i'm like <laughs> what? okay what is that but then they go back to that later and you get oh that's how she's letting out her frustration or something like that yeah so yeah. It, it's it's a detailed film that the more times you see it the more you get out of it because you know they reference to a lot of things that maybe you don't know if you're not musically inclined well and that, but that's the thing is it's not yeah. it's it, it's not isolating for people who just want to go see right. an awards yeah. season movie you don't have to know anything about classical music yeah. you don't even have to pay attention to what the composers they talk about in the film to get to really get what they're going for here yeah. i think that's the beauty of it and yeah kate blanchett she is my pick for best actress yeah. because yeah. there were moments where i stopped to think man kate blanchett is killing it yeah but most of the time I was thinking, this Lydia Tarr is a very complicated person, especially towards the very end where we find out that that's not even her yeah. <laughs> name. <laughs> oh, Did yeah. you catch that? No. Yeah, she, she goes home, and this is, uh, it's mildly spoilers, but, uh, you know, yeah. she goes home, she goes back to her roots, and it's one scene where she runs right. into someone that she, we'll just say, grew up with. And he says, oh, hey, Linda. Oh, sorry, Lydia. <laughs> and wow. it, just in that moment, that is like an entire half hour worth of backstory yeah. summed up in one and, line. And, you know, that's the type of neighborhoods I grew up in. And to see that on 
see that kind of middle classism on stage was just like yes yeah. mm. on screens excuse me yeah. on stage as well <laughs> as she conducted people all right next, all right, next but, film uh, i was about to say yeah let's move on um this one i think is gonna be the winner of the oscars it's sort of like everyone's darling I thought it was very good, but I didn't think it was great. And that is everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, yeah it's a movie that is, how do, how do you put it? it it's, it's a comedy in a way, and I didn't mind it being funny. I mean, the, the great thing about that movie is it's about being content with what you have in life and then accepting those that you love. And in terms of that, it's a very heartfelt, loving film you know, about your family and about what you have and how you can be happy with that. What, what did you guys think of it? Well, I can't counter that more. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I love the imagination in it, right? Yeah. I, I just thought, this is great. This is, we have directors who are really, director creators who are really thinking outside, you know, the spectrum of what cinema can do. Yeah. And then, and then it, it was predicated on a result that felt to me like I'd seen in a movie of the week in the 1970s. I mean, it just it just didn't have any emotional pull for me. Hmm. And therefore, it started to break down the premise until it just, like a machine, it just ran out of power and, and it was done. So It's weird. I, I've, I've seen <laughs> online, I've seen nothing but praise from this movie yeah. from a lot of you know critics and right? people I know. Yeah. But in the last week, I've had conversations sort of like this, you mm -hmm. know, just kind of a casual with people, and I'm finding out there are a lot more people who are more lukewarm on this film than I had thought. I yeah. thought I was out here on an island. Now, I will just say I have a visceral disdain mm. for everything everywhere all at once. Mm. Every five minutes, and I watched this at home, mm -hmm. with very minimal breaks, it's three hours long, but every five minutes, <laughs> I was mentally reaching for the remote. I'm like, mm, I hate yeah. this movie. And it's weird because, first of all, I don't think it does anything Aside from maybe the hot dog finger people, but they even ruined that by actually trying to make it into a thing. Yeah, like it's a great went on forever. It's a great yeah. visual gag yeah. when you see it with the yeah. two dancers yeah. and they've got yeah. hot dog fingers. But when you try and actually wrap it up into a story that quote unquote yeah. means something, it's like, no. But the it's awkward at best. I've seen <laughs> this done better in Looper. I've seen it mm. done better in The Matrix. The yeah. weird thing is. I gotta be very careful about how I talk about this. Yes, but, I know. I was gonna say, <laughs> well, but no, like you open up a big can of worms. We're, we're so. talking about the daughter here. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just no, the, the premise, and the I, I know comparisons it's comparisons to other films. Well, it's not even that. It's it's the Daniels yeah. who made it. Um, one is is it Daniel Kwan? Daniel yes. Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Okay, very good. I just I have this weird image in my head of an executive or a writer pitching to an executive, like a regular like middle class white screenwriter saying i want to do a movie about uh, an immigrant asian family who runs a laundromat and there's a whole lot of like kung fu in it and then being instantly canceled and kicked out of the room and then you bring in someone who's like i'm asian this is based on my experience it's about an immigrant chinese family who runs a laundromat there's a lot of kung fu in it brilliant let's get that up on the screen well, I, just, I wouldn't I was, say the pitches were the same. Though. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying, like, I'm watching this movie. I'm thinking, Maybe the how white is, guy pitches it like that, well, but no, not the Asian but, guy. But, but what I'm saying is, the result is, I'm watching this movie, I'm like, how is this not just dealing in, like, every stereotype I've ever seen? Including, mm. like, starring Michelle Yeoh, who I think is a fine actress. Mm. But it just, it seems like, I don't know, for all the 
credit to imagination and all this other stuff, which I don't, yeah, I'm not quite there because I felt I got a very Doctor Strange vibe. I think half this movie <laughs> is hyped up on the fact it's like the indie version of Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. I'm like, they're both kind of shit though, so I don't know if I don't know if that's supposed to be something to brag about. I didn't think the movie was shit, but I have to say I've seen it twice. Very good. And like, yeah, I didn't get anything more the second time when I saw it because I remember I saw it once and everyone's like, oh, that movie's so great. And I'm like. Well, it was okay. I, I thought it was a little too silly for me. You had sausage fingers, you had guys jumping on dildos, and then you had someone eating chapstick. It is much more exciting to hear you describe it than it is to watch it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. Yeah, because you watch it, you're like, <laughs> you okay. You can't be any more true than that. Yeah, because you get they're trying to be weird so they can go to another multiverse. But, I mean, that's kind of the Daniels. They like absurd, crazy, funny humor. Like if you've seen Swiss Army Man... That was a movie about a farting corpse played by uh, Daniel, Dan yes. Harry Potter. Yes, we yeah. all remember that. Well, here's <laughs> this is my first experience with a Daniels movie. Yeah. Oh, my. I, I, I'd, I'd heard about see them. Swiss Army, man. Right. And, but based on this, I'm like, I'm going to give that a little time. Yeah. Because, uh, here's the thing. I think guys. the movie's so silly that it takes away from the emotional impact in the end where, you know, the family learns what they have. And how to be content with it, and they can be I, together, and the and the whole plot line with the daughter and the grandfather accepting. Right, her. but yeah. but Pat mentioned like movie of the week from the '70s. That's the whole central thing. I'm like, yeah, we, I understand people are going through it, but in terms of like dramatic content, right? I feel like it's present presenting elsewhere. this story in this way about like the daughter's not accepting because the parents are you know yeah. anti-gay or whatever. I just I feel like you got to bring something new yeah. to the table other than it just being that and expecting people to stand up and applaud right right yeah it could have had more it could have had more about because the relationship was she starting to fall out of love with her husband and kihui kwan was sort of bringing her back in a way to love him uh, something like that, was, that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's real but it was like but it was like they, they they had they had a little bit of that because like you know he, he was at one point begging to her and telling her about how special she is and they were cutting other stuff like it's a it's a visually great movie, you know. The, the Daniels did the special effects themselves, but I think it's it works larger for its high concept than it does for its actual so actual much. execution in the end. Sure. So like that was kind of my thoughts on it. Like, you know, okay movie, but you know, <laughs> is it best picture material? No, but it'll probably win because it looks well, like everyone's well, we'll see what kind the of driving Vox for it. Populi will be. Yeah. What's the next one? All right. So that then, was eight on my ranking, by the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then, well, next is Avatar: The Way of Water. Uh, so what's the one after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best right, picture. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's not best picture. It's not, and I'll, I'll say I put it in my top 10 of the year because I was coming off the high still of seeing it in the theater, seeing it with that high frame rate ratio where the image moves faster, but it doesn't blur. Right. It gets rid of camo blur that, that 24 frames per second has. And yeah, I first saw that in the Peter Jackson's Hobbit, the first the first. Now, that Hobbit. one did it terribly. I that was my first experience with it. And I hadn't seen the Avatar in high frame yeah. rate. I dug what they did in the Hobbit. I can't explain why, and I haven't gone back to watch it, so it's not exactly. That's why memorable. I dug what they did in Avatar because I saw it. Yeah, and I also thought it was the best 3D I'd ever seen. Yeah, that that's the Hello, point because it, somebody get the yeah. phone. That's James Cameron calling, so you better not say anything <laughs> <bad> about this. <laughs> Tell me about the blue people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, yeah, but that that it works as. An experience because you're one of the reasons we go to the movies. I was telling Pat this earlier. Is like there's there's art, 
and then there's entertainment, and then there's to be taken to another place, to forget about our lives, taken to another world. And Avatar beautifully does that. They upgrade the 3D, but when you get past all that stuff, it's just another, you know, revenge tale because it's all about the uh, the military guy. If Orange. I have, yeah. yeah. It, it as I've said a hundred times, I think Cameron is like a frat boy who tells you a story. Yeah. Tell us something, Biff, about the uh, about the blue people. Let me tell you about the blue people. They got great bodies, number one. <laughs> so anyway, you know, that, that's so, Michael so Bay, on and so forth. Um, and and that's and you can say about Titanic or any of his other things. And they're all Terminator long. exception. All right. And all his movies are long. This is three and a half hours. This film. I, I, oh, I think wow. I think Titanic is you know well I'm not going to say it's underrated because it was up until a certain point the biggest blockbuster yeah. of all time. So people loved it, um, or certain people did. But with Avatar, part of it. I'll ad fully admit had nothing to do with the movie. It's the fact that he's already announced that there are going to be five of these things. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm like two hours into Way of the Water. I'm like, there's no way I'm coming back for the next ones. Yeah. Because I don't if care if they make a baby blue person. I'm not falling for that <laughs> twice. <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, the, he had 13 years between the two films. And he, yeah, leaps and bounds on the technology. But for me, I mean, and I've said this before, I'm, you know, a visual artist, and that's not me with, like, you know, my snooty, pinkies-up nonsense. It's just that when I see, you know, cool, innovative 3D and stuff, it lasts for a couple minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. so what else you got? Like, hmm. at a certain point, yes, it's amazing. We spend 10 minutes underwater. I'm like, yeah, I saw that in a documentary James Cameron did for IMAX 10 years ago. Yeah. And even though it's like... Ooh, but it's alien stuff. I'm like, yeah, there are alien stuff in that movie. He dove, you know, farther than anyone's ever been to like capture life that we've never seen before. Yeah. So now I'm like, why am I supposed to be wowed by Avatar? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I didn't see that movie. And Cameron's yeah, still I calling. didn't see it. I actually want to. He, I he, want to see that in IMAX if it's ever available. But anyway, it, uh, it was great. Yeah. Say, you know, I think I'm just at the at the last stop. On the awe train, mm. I was awed by its 3D, you know. But I, I understand it could be the last stop on the awe train. <laughs> I, I feel like we'll nothing see it in again. movies make it puts me in awe, but that movie put me in awe. Well, what can you do with a plot that? Because yeah, here's what can the you thing. Do with a I remember. Sailor? I have no idea. I remember <laughs> being several movies awed by the movie, but I don't remember much about it afterwards. I know that what was the name of the evil colonel who like wanted Porridge. To, yeah, yeah yeah Porridge wanted to kill everybody he wanted revenge and they do that for three and a half hours and I don't know why they went underwater I I couldn't tell you what it was like a blur well, to me because they, they they had to introduce the new unobtainium which was this whale juice or whatever that was, like, yeah, that was right weird. yeah uh, but i mean that's the thing is like a lot of people bag on on the quaritch coming back i yeah. thought that was the most interesting thing about that the entire movie part. right especially that the flashback to or it's like the unseen footage right before the battle from the first movie he's sitting there like yeah the brass told me i got to record this stupid video so if you're watching this it means that i died but they're going to put me inside one of these blue fuckers but that's never going to happen <laughs> you know glory to the space marines and he goes off and of course he's dead <laughs> but i i feel like 
I'm still invested in his story because he survives to the end and there's some changes, but I feel like I'm going to just watch them, watch the highlight reel on YouTube, you know, eight years from now when this thing is all done. (laughs) So I don't have to sit through the rest of this because you think about that's like when all is said and done, it's going to be what? Three times 17 hours of my life watching Avatar. No. Yeah. It's it's too much. How many hours are you on Star Wars, sir? The original? No, <laughs> no, with all the all the iterations. Oh well, I'm, how many hours there? I, I kind of gave up on. It. I'm coming back for Mando, though. Ooh, there you oh, go. Yeah. You, you are, heard it huh? here first. Ah, uh, you yeah. should. I, I really think you'd enjoy Andor. Well, I, I watched the first episode of Andor and I loved it, but I still have to get through the next eleven. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, that's crazy. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm excited. It about really that, becomes yeah. a challenge. Yeah, You're absolutely right. Because it's <laughs> it, yeah, because Andor. Yeah, you well, see that big cliff ahead of you you're just like eh. <laughs> and there's it gets it gets slow but uh, i mean the, the part with the, the thing with avatar is what once you're done with the escapism you're kind of you're kind of bored with it uh i mean if i if i who is the like little kid in the underwear who was running around the film i was lucky was, I, I was lucky i never got bored with the technical aspect of it because you're right uh, obviously i could see if you're doing that story if if you're you're checked out of the techno and your story's not keeping up, oh, you just surpassed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I don't know the name of the kid who was. Uh, I just yeah. call him Bam Bam. You know, because uh, he, he was fucking. He was Bam Bam. <laughs> but oh, I mean, but really but then weird, you get man. into like the the weakness <clears throat> of the screenplay. Like t- throughout the film, I mean, he gets captured, and it spoiler alert, Quaritch is his dad. Yeah. But. <laughs> He's you heard it here sti- first, sir. He's still now. Everyone's seen this movie, so it's not a spoiler. Yeah. But but throughout the film, he's constantly like with the military people, but no one's like really guarding him. Mm. He's not in handcuffs or restraints or anything. Particularly towards the end, when it really counts, it's like there's no way. Yeah, I understand it's his son and everything, but he would have respected him as like a military prisoner. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I just you know I I couldn't go that deep. But that's cool. That's, that's all I had to think about while I was watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I know this movie's gotten a lot of controversy because it's James Cameron. He's talking about indigenous people and cultures and stuff that a white guy like him wouldn't understand. Well, but I underst- like to me, I'm like, why are people getting mad? It's just, I mean, I get why they're getting mad, but at the same time, there's a bunch of fictional blue people. So I, I'm there I with you. Mike, open that can. Well, my, my concern, yeah. and I will open that can, but very briefly, I'll, I'll yeah. peel back the lid. My concern is if we keep progressing with the complaints about yeah. people not handling sensitive situations the right way, yeah. especially when they go in with the best of intentions, the backlash is going to be, fine, we won't talk about indigenous cultures or minorities or anything. Yeah. We're just going to go back to the good old days where we just cared about like the predominant culture yeah. and see how you like that. We'll just shut you out of the conversation because you're not contributing anything to it that's going to help anybody. Right. 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 Um, and I, I find that really unfortunate, but I just I feel like that backlash well, is coming. Well, I mean, yeah. Avatar. Which, which, which Avatar. Avatar. I mean, James Cameron, is not, he's far from a bigot. He cares about these issues. That's why he decided to tell this five-part story. Exactly. And yet it's not good enough somehow. Yeah, well, well there's Which always... power base is afraid of this? Is it the people who run the studios? Well, I don't think they care. I mean, they got their billions of dollars. Well, you know, they I mean, make a lot of money? We're talking, oh, yeah, about, yeah, we're talking yeah. about the issues above just, you know. I, I had not heard that about the movie, but. 
you know, I, 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 we have what five more to get through. So yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> no, I don't. Is Next, five more? moving on. Next, anyways, yeah. This one I didn't think would get nominated. I, I, this is the one where I was wishing a different foreign film that I'll get into later got in. But All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, it's not a remake of the Academy Award-winning 1930 original film. It's a retelling of the classic novel. Mm-hmm. And yes. You, this, the film is like a museum of attrition. Like everywhere you go, you see more horrible acts of war. You know, you see people yeah. getting shot or blown up, bodies being piled on top of each other. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an effective movie, but there are movies that have been way more effective than it that where I feel almost desensitized watching it. Like if you've ever seen Come and See, for instance. Or 1917. Like, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But um, no, I haven't seen Come and See. I think I saw the adult version. Mm. But that is a different story. Or, uh, yeah, call it come and seen is come and seen. Uh, come and see is a story about like this Russian kid in the middle of World War Two, and he goes from being like a happy little kid to just his hair grows gray, and he's got like wrinkles in his face. Like the girl, he like he saw people in a barn get burned alive. So like, well, after I saw is that, that like Benjamin Button. <laughs> no, Benjamin Button was in there? I'm sorry. The little kid with the wrinkled face. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you see some, but the, the point is, when I see something like Come and See and Private Ryan and all that, line, by the, way. The, the, movie, the movie is, I failed you. I will say, a little shocking. It's supposed to be shocking, but it wasn't as shocking as some of the other stuff because we've seen so many war movies now. It's almost standard <clears throat> to see someone getting blown away but put in different body parts. But, I mean... It was a wonderful retelling, but I don't know if it was best picture. I think it was, uh, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, the thing I like about it is it feels like a throwback to yeah. Academy Awards past, yeah. where in like any other year, like this come out in the 90s, not that it could have because of the advances we've got in filmmaking, um, but it would have been up there, like with a private Ryan or, or whatever. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant movie. One of the hardest things I've had to watch. And again, it's I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know why this, I mean, it's a Netflix movie, I guess, but this should have been experienced oh, yeah, on a sure. big screen. Yes. And I, I think yeah. to Pat's point, it's a perfect companion piece to 1917 because they both take place in the exact same era, except yeah. that movie was about British soldiers. This one was oddly, my one gripe about it yeah. is that it's about German soldiers, you know, fighting uh, the French mostly, yeah. except... All, almost all of the actors playing the Germans are British. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, wait a second, what what happened here? Well, um, yeah. But I didn't I didn't know that. That's a throwback too. Then. Well, I know it, it's it's a th- well. That's sort of I understand because you know back in the day that was they they worked with what they had, but today I almost expect like what there aren't legions of talented German actors that can yeah, play these I, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it didn't bother me. It's just it was a little bit off-putting because I couldn't quite place like who I was supposed to be following. Away. Are these the Brit? No, they're the Germans still. Yeah. But I think it's a perfect companion piece to 1917. Um, yeah. It is a bit, and maybe this is true to the novel, which I have not read, but I really want to after seeing this movie. Yeah. The main character Paul is almost like the Forrest Gump of World War One, <laughs> where he's like running into battle and left and right people are getting beheaded and run over and shot and you know blazed with yep. you know fire and stuff and he's just like doop 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 doop. It's not <laughs> until like the very end when what happens happens. I'm like, not that I want anything bad to him, but I'm like, finally. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and I'd say I had a little bit of trouble sympathizing with him after he, like, killed that one other soldier, and then he was having trouble breathing, so he puts, like, well, mud in his mouth. Spoiler alert. Well, it, it's, it's yeah. like, it's, I don't know, does that count? Is, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, it, 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 it's a difficult. Uh, well, it's, I, that, I think that was a very sympathetic moment because well yeah then he, he started he, to feel bad after the fact right because i mean <laughs> he was in like right before that happens he's in a situation where people are charging yeah. left and right he has to kill this guy he understands if he does not kill this person that person is going to kill him in fact he tried to shoot him yeah uh he had his sights yeah, on but then he got hit by a mine he got the blown up one right stuff yeah. was very rough right but then <clears throat> in that we spend like five minutes at least on these two characters right, in that yeah. situation and right. he goes through all yeah, the emotions it's, it's, yeah. and it ends the way it ends and the 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 most heartbreaking part of that is he reaches into his pocket and pulls out his identification mm. turns out the guy he killed was a french typographer Right. Like, oh, just goes to right. show that, like, he right. wasn't even like, I'm going to be career military. No, he was probably inscripted or it, inscript, conscripted mm -hmm. or he signed up to fight much like Paul and his friends did. Right, right. And it, like he had a family, he, he had a wallet, like a wife and daughter back home. And it just like everything in this movie draws back to the fact that the people who fight these wars are real, like regular human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And they're being presided over by people who are yeah. hundreds of miles away sitting in fancy and coaches, like just like yeah. kind of negotiating. And, it's, it's and that terrible. has been the power. I, I, I don't know about the original novel and I, I wonder how much command is actually in the novel. But um, the one thing I'll say is the 1930 version is better because it, 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 mm. it's, it can't use the battlefield horror so they use visuals to uh, to create a scenario. Ooh. But having said that, this is a really good version. And yeah. they, they put more in a historical context, which I liked. And, um, you know, I'm just trying. Oh, but I will say 1917 was better. And that's all I'll say. It will hmm. push, push it, you to the next film. It's weird. I've, I've always, I've never really been a big fan of 1917. I, I didn't want to get I, into it. I, I felt like it, I felt like it was more of the director showing off what they could do more than. Well, okay. And I, I'm, so. you know, I'm kind Which, of fine yeah. with that. I thought yeah. I saw it yeah. once in the theater, and I think that's the way to experience it. Yeah. I appreciated the showing off because he yeah. showed off, and so he, he he the reason he showed off is because he had some goods to share with the audience. Mm -hmm. Right. But I also thought, yeah, but I also thought it worked dramatically. I think this movie. I can't give one the edge over the other. I think yeah, maybe if okay. I'd seen All Quiet on the Western Front in a theater, then it might have given that that, that, ex yeah. uh, that I would edge, have loved to see 17 in a theater. Yes. I saw it on, yeah. on, uh, on a DVD. Uh, I, mean, I would love to see All Quiet on the Western Front in the theater, just for that music. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, weird because they, they did they this. For, uh, for best score, too. Well, I'm glad because, sure. like, yeah. in Elvis, they do what Baz Luhrmann does. They interject some modern music into yeah. it, and it's like, it worked yeah. better in Elvis than in some of the other instances. But here, it's a very modern-sounding, yeah. almost like borderline techno score, even though it's very spare. Yeah, and at first, yeah. I'm like, techno. I don't know about this. But when it keeps coming back, it yeah. is... It's almost like Hans Zimmer's wow yeah. before it got annoying. Yeah. It's like really effective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it kind of just shows you the absolute horror and fear that goes into war. And I think that's the idea. It's like just that horn of battle. And the cinematography, uh, I think I have the guy's name here, but the uh, cinematography in the movie, you, oh, James, James Friend, um, that's his name. It looks fantastic how they have those long hey, dolly James. shots. <laughs> <laughs> across the uh yeah james friend be my friend 
The one thing I'll say in kind of closing on All Quiet on the Western Front that really drove it home, and I've got two young boys at home, and yeah. I think about the fact that right now yeah. there is yeah. a global conflict going yes. on. The United yes. States is not directly involved in the war in Ukraine, but I just remember when this thing started a year ago, right. people were very invested. There was yeah. a whole thing about putting the flag on your you know, social media profile and all this other stuff. But watching All Quiet on the Western Front, you realize what's happening there is happening right now in another part of the world that yeah. we're not yep. seeing. It's still going yep. on. It's like, yep. oh yeah, it's still going on. I guess we just got to send them more money. Yeah. But yeah. what is that? What is that going to? It's mm. feeding, you know, a war machine and a conflict. And this is not saying anything about you know the rightness or wrongness of who's on any side. Yeah. But watching a movie like this, if you have the stomach for it, is a great reminder that it's not just something you can say. Yeah, we should go kick Russia's ass. Yeah. Because right. this is what that would look like. Yeah. It would. It would. And yeah. And and starkly so. And and I'm glad they upped the ante on that. I mean, mm. yeah. I mean, I mean, you can go a interpretation that I was pleased about that. There's Very just, pleased. There's just plenty and of you, imagery. You summed it up beautifully. Yeah. Thank you. There's just plenty of imagery where it just shows you what war really is. You know, the one scene that. I think stands out to me is they just had this huge hole and they would just throw dead bodies in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it's an effective tale about is I think El Quiet in the Western Front, the original was like an anti-war film and one of the first anti-war films. Well, it, 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 it was. Yeah, it, it, it was a direct adaptation of the original novel. Yeah. And it was it's it's very artfully done yeah. because they can't show the carnage as they showed. Yeah. In, the, in this version. So, so Nick, sir. Moving on is a right, woman talking. Ah. And you know what? I, I didn't think I would love this movie so much. I've seen it twice now. And yet it's great because of how topical it is. First, you don't know where this movie takes place. I mean, to give a summary, it's about a group of women in this Amish community. And they have three options. Mennonite. Yeah. It's not Amish. It's Mennonite. Mennonite? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. My apologies. Uh, a, a, a Mennonite society where it's similar to Amish, I guess you could say, in a way where you have people living away from modern technology. It's and, an Amish feel, let's put it that way. Yeah, it's something like that. But no, it's people who live in a Mennonite society and they have three options because they're all being sexually assaulted by the males in their community. They, should, they could stay and fight, do nothing or leave. And the, the thing that about this movie is this is similar to what goes on in almost any office space anywhere. And, you know, we, we, it's, it's sad that we still live in this kind of world, but how topical it was, how the characters had to deal with basically leaving everything they have. I thought it was a fascinating piece. It, it, it's definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. It was strong the first time I saw it. It was just as strong the second time I saw it. What did okay. you guys think? Interesting. Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't really have much else to say than what you said. Um, I don't, it, 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 it really handles some very difficult topics very artfully and, 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 and beautifully and where you got the point without feeling that, you know, we can't focus on the tragedy. We have to focus on the fact that they can come to a solution. Yeah. They, can, they, can, they can talk about it and come to a solution. Yeah. So that's, that was number two, and Tar was number one. So, mm -hmm. you know, th th those are my top two uh, in, the, in the Oscar race. So uh, yeah. go ahead. Ian? 
Um, can I take the fifth on this one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I despise women talking. Um, mm. It is, it's based on a real story yeah. of a Mennonite group in Canada. This happened in 2010. And I believe there was a novel written about the situation Correct. that Sarah Polly then adapted. And to me, this has the Xerox effect mm. of you've got mm. the true story, mm. the news story, the novel, mm -hmm. the screenplay. Mm -hmm. I think if you're talking about the consequences of Me Too, Tar han handles it much better mm -hmm. because there are yes. actual characters in that movie. This, mm -hmm. Women Talking, is a polemic. It is a political statement disguised as a film mm -hmm. without any perspective from, uh, aside from what these women are telling us and each mm -hmm. other uh, in the barn because... For, you know, watching it, I'm like, okay, so has this, and the, the conceit is most of the women in the town have been sexually assaulted and or horrifically repeating uh, though, yeah. uh, but yeah. knocked out with horse tranquilizers while the guys do the deed. Yeah. There are probably a couple few hundred people in this town. Has this been going on for decades? Are, is everybody aware of it? Are there any good men in this town besides the one guy who is not exactly the shining representative of good masculinity um, <clears throat> that we see? It just felt very tilted. Mm. And they even throw in that phrase, not all men. I'm like, I don't believe that that's what the people making this movie feel. I think they think that there is, th there is a definitely a misandrist vibe in this film that I don't appreciate because mm -hmm. you said it goes on in offices, you know, everywhere. I'm like, I am going to push back on that because I've worked in, you know, many different corporate situations and I've known a lot of women who've worked with me mm -hmm. and they've not, you know, of course there are situations that are inappropriate and those are hopefully dealt with. But this idea that we're still living in this kind of predatory all over the place madman era is, I think, a modern fiction that the hmm. people who made this movie are trying to sell to an audience, and I'm not buying it. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. I, I mean, yeah. I, wow. The it, it's hard to counter that because a very, <laughs> very well uh, argued. Um, the only thing I can say is that I, I, you know, at some point I check out because it's not about me, but I have to say. I'm going to try to have as much empathy as possible as I yeah. watch this. And that's really what, once I make that decision going in, it's not going to be, you know, the polemic that you said. It's going to be me just going with the flow and hearing what's being said. And let's, what does that feel? What does that feel like? What does that feel like? Yeah. Et cetera. So that's, that's, that's the only counter I have. Well, well, let's just talk about like narratively, because it doesn't even work well, as an actual like movie at the yeah. end. There is a decision, and I'll just say it, because a bunch of people leave this colony. Yeah. And they're very cautious about packing up their things and everything throughout the film. It's always like, okay, once we make the decision, we're going to have to go. But dawn rolls around. There is a procession of at least 50 women and children and horses getting ready to leave this town the sun's up. These are this is a, like ostensibly a farming community. If they had an insert of like the women going in and do dousing or dosing their husbands with the horse tranquilizer, mm. I might have been like, that would explain why nobody else is up and noticing this and <laughs> causing a fuss or going after these women or attacking them. It's just all too 
tidy and convenient. I didn't buy it. I watched this with my wife. She's like, yeah, that was kind of bullshit. But she loved the movie, and we had a lengthy mm. argument uh, afterwards. Well, but, yeah. Again, just like, again I, I, I can't take it that literally because all I was doing, trying to do was, was get a feel for, for what they were saying. And that's what they're counting on. And that's why well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so fine that it works on that level. I, but, bought, I, I bought in, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I, it, it's just for me, when so, when a to topic is on screen that has nothing to do with me, as far as what what the the background is, I try to understand what they were going through in a feeling sense. And I I did too, but I couldn't understand what they were going through because I felt like it was exaggerated okay, to the enough. point where. Right. You know, it's. Yes. I didn't feel Not like I was watching enough. characters. Exactly. I felt like I was watching ideas I see. giving speeches. I, I could understand but the, that. But the, I will say, you, you would be uh, the, per, the performances were outstanding. Yes, they were. The two real big ones was Jesse Buckley and Ben Wishaw. You know, yeah. who really, you know, I, and the, yeah, the, the performance, the movie is an actor's piece because it's directed by someone. Sarah Polly used to be an actor. Mm -hmm. So she knows how to work with other actors and have. Uh, them bring the most they can to the screen with a director who can clearly steer them. Yeah. And one thing I really quite liked about the movie is, I, I guess you weren't a fan of the structure, but I, I liked how there's many moments where they're cutting away to things that someone's talking about. You know, when someone says, I want to tell you another one of my stories, and you're going, oh, God, I don't want to see this story. I don't want... But you see the story and you're interested because... They're putting you in that moment, and there's a real fluidity to the picture where it keeps going and going, and it doesn't feel like it's just holding back. The, it doesn't feel like it's just dragging its feet on the ground to me. It's, it's an hour and 44 minutes. I feel like that's yeah. just about the right length. Yeah. Because I, I did. it's definitely got this kind of a play feel where they go yeah. back to the bar, and I think three times they have different yeah. conversations, and I just felt like, yeah, I felt like I was watching a play. I, sometimes that's kind of annoying when I'm watching a movie when it's very stagey like that. Sometimes yeah. it does work. It just didn't work for me here, but partially because I couldn't connect with the material. Right, right. I can understand. And I, 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 seriously. I mean, it, it's as simple as that, and that, that's why I, you know, uh, appreciate the point of view. Yeah. I will say, Frances McDormand, she was in this movie for like three for like minutes, minutes, right? Minutes. <laughs> like like yeah, Frances McDormand had like she's on the poster for Christ's right. sake. I yeah. was waiting for her to come in at the end <laughs> and like make the big kind of tie-breaking like we've got to do this speech, and it just never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I don't so even funny. I don't even know. They but probably cut that. How much did it, how much did it cost to have her in the we movie? Just this one forty four. Otherwise, people are gonna walk out. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how 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 she affected no, the budget in a way because like she she was barely in it. Yeah, but moving on. Yes, All right, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie, but like I'm saying a lot of times, I, I felt like this doesn't need to be best picture material, and that's Top Gun Maverick. Um, you know, where, okay. you know, the, the first Top Gun certainly didn't get nominated for an Oscar because it's not Oscar worthy, and the second one, I, I guess, it's getting all this buzz because it brought people back to the theater. You know, so the Academy is celebrating how it did that and they put it in there. But Top Gun Maverick is a good sequel. That's the same exact movie as Top Gun. They just wrote it again and somehow it got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, which really kind of throws me off. You know, like you just wrote the same movie and, and now you're going to get nominated for an Oscar for writing it. OK, 
It's it's not the same movie. It's 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 different. There's different elements. Like you know, Maverick doesn't fit anymore in society as a pilot <laughs> because they can just bring in drones. So he has to prove why he's still worthy, and probably people in the Air Force might be facing that now. And that, that's interesting. And the stuff they did with Val Kilmer was great. Yeah, the thing is, if you watch the trailer for Top Gun Maverick, you yeah. would think that it is a photocopy of the first film. Yeah. But, you know, especially uh, the big the big kind of nebulous battle at the end, yeah. or the, the, the trench run, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that is very dif- different, kind of to the movie's detriment, I think, because... Yeah. I would be fine if they just did this trench run trying to escape these bogeys, but of course they have to crash land and then they have to find other planes. Like it, it almost becomes like a weird version of Spies Like Us. Um, but I think, yeah, I understand. I'm with you, Mike. I think this the whole thing is up because aside from Avatar, Avatar came and made like, it beat Top Gun in terms yeah. of worldwide box office, but it only did that I think in January. Top Gun was the number one, I believe, grossing film of the year yeah. by a good mile, over a billion oh, yeah. dollars for yeah, a Top Gun Avatar sequel. Avatar <laughs> didn't have enough legs by that point. No. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I understand it's an important movie for that reason, and I think it's a great visceral experience. It was one of my favorite movie-going experiences of 2022. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Right, right. I saw it at okay. home, and, and it wasn't the same. Yeah. You know, because so, you need the because the sound. Now that's what is very well deserving of the Oscar nomination for, is the sound, the cinematography. I mean, that's more about like the stunts that it's capturing, more than the actual cinematography itself. Uh, so I probably would have replaced Top Gun Maverick's best cinematography nomination with the Batman's. Because that movie is gorgeously shot. I, well, I'll give you that. I, I think yeah. uh, Joseph Kaczynski... Snubs now. Oh, you're right. Oh, but, yeah. We haven't gotten through the... Go ahead. But Joseph Kaczynski and Top uh, and Top Gun, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. They, they collaborated. Kaczynski, yeah. Uh, yeah, directed it. They but they, did they Oblivion co- before, right? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, they did Oblivion, which I think was a much more impressively shot uh, film. And I think yeah. an overall better movie than Top Gun Maverick. But I'm just glad to see that they were able to pull this one out. I... I love Tom Cruise. I don't think yeah. he's the greatest actor, but they showed, I can't remember which movie I said, maybe it was Avatar, but they showed that one bit from the new Mission Impossible where he's driving the bike mm. repeatedly down the ramp and off the cliff and parachuting and stuff, <laughs> and that's all of him, and, and he's just so giddy about, like, we're not going to do this in CGI. I'm going to do this, and I might die. Yeah. That is true, like, showmanship, true yes. entertainment. So, so I, he needs, like, a, a Hollywood Spirit Award if there yeah. is an Oscar I, for that. I think so, because, like, Tom Cruise... It'll be a, a couch. He <laughs> can jump on. <laughs> so, um, here, here's my rankings. I had Elvis at 10, Avatar at 9, Everything Everywhere at 8, and then 7, mm. Maverick. So... I I just believe that it was it, it's just like you said initially it got people back excited yeah. about seeing something on the big screen again right and that was quite an achievement and you know in, in the history of cinema maybe they'll be saying well they allowed theaters to hang on another two extra years yeah. <laughs> who, who knows you know it's just but anyway it just um, it, it that kind of excitement was enough for me. I can go into the particulars, but number seven on that list of right, ten, one, right. to, one to ten. Well, Tom, Tom Cruise is fascinating. Where you know he like he's a little crazy. We know that, but he's not dumb. No, you know he learned like it, dumb people no don't know how to Tom fly. Pe- dumb. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. People kind of allude to that. No, I don't know. 
I don't know. I like the crazy guy knows like a to... fox. If he's got the dumb act going, good. Well, Keep going, bro. Here's the thing. This movie really <laughs> does. Yeah. Is a you motivational. Banking, my friend. Yeah. It's a motivational film. It motivates you to do something. And that's kind of what Tom what, Cruise joined is the, joined the joined Air the Force. forces of, of nature again. Who, who is the enemy in this one? We don't know. Yeah, we, we don't know. The enemy is us. We, it's, <laughs> they were wearing those near advisors. You say the Russians, but... Yeah. <laughs> Um, they can't say the Russians for good reasons this year with it. You'd be in real trouble. All right. We've, we've but, gone off in another path. Yeah, we, 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 get, we've gone on, on too much. But, yeah, it's not the same film. It's, it's uh, moving when it has to be with Val Kilmer and exciting at other points. But, no, uh, the next one, and I know Ian loves this one, is The Fablemans, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's movie about himself. I now, literally just got shutters, Mike. Okay. So here's what I'll say about The Fablemans. Yes, it's pretentious. <laughs> And it's getting a little annoying seeing directors tell their life story. But what separates the film, uh, the Fablemans from Empire of Lights or that damn it. Oh, yeah, Armageddon time is that Steven Spielberg has a sentimentality that often gets criticized. But I think that's his strongest suit. Uh, this movie is a love letter to his family, but a very earnest one where... You do have the crazy mom, but if that was literally Spielberg's mom that was that way, you have to give the guy credit for actually showing that. But although she's crazy and all there, there's a bunch of problems with this family, he never makes anyone look bad. You know, he tries to find the best in people. He has a good heart, and it comes through on screen where his sentimentality doesn't feel like it's condescending or talking down, trying to reach children or something like that. And this is a movie... Uh, about you know exploring your passion and your love and what gets you into making movies. So for a movie about filmmakers telling their own stories, making movies, it was effective enough where you uh, get a feeling that these characters are real people and not just characters. They're people who screw up, they make mistakes, they ruin things. But in, but in the end, they're humans just like us who make mistakes. Because he yeah. could have easily written off the dad as neglectful. Or he could have written off the mom as crazy. But he doesn't do that. He shows the best in them. And that's why that movie works. It's the best of people even when they're at their worst. And, of course, we all know where young Sam Fableman, you know, Fableman is going in the end. And, you know, that couldn't be topped off better than an ending that they gave away in all the YouTube stuff. But yeah. well, The... Um uh, here's here's my thing with it. I loved all the film stuff in it. Yeah. Meaning, uh, uh, the making of things. The, the making, you know, when he's talking to that kid who had never had an acting piece of acting advice in his life. Yeah. And convinces him to give the best performance he possibly can. Yeah. That stuff yeah. was great. Yeah. You know, John Ford and all that stuff. Crashing the train. I love as it. A kid. Yes. Yes. But his Freudian obsession with his mother uh, really diluted. Hmm. What I thought was could have been a more interesting telling of his uh, origin story, but maybe the Freudian thing is part of the origin. So maybe it's above and above and beyond what I was thinking about it. So that's it. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm there with you, Pat. I, I thought okay. the filmmaking part of it mm -hmm. was really solid. Yep. I thought Michelle Williams was terrible. 
Mm. Um, I, I, really? I disagree about that. I don't know okay. about that. I, I no, thought I, I thought she was hammy. I don't know what she was doing with her accent. Now, here's the thing. As <laughs> this it, is problem. the life. Anyway, um, (laughs) now, I will uh, just caveat that by saying, because in in recent years, I've been trying to be more conscious about criticizing performances. Right. It's not necessarily her fault. Mm -hmm. It is Spielberg and whoever cast her and directed her to perform this way. Mm. It's hammy. I think it's stereotypical, Mm. at least in the way that she played this character. Uh, I thought Paul Dano was great. Um, I just, my whole problem with this is it reminded me of the first season of Dawson's Creek, <laughs> which is about a young boy who is an aspiring filmmaker. He makes movies with his friends. Right. He's a huge Steven Spielberg fan, mm-hmm. and that series is what gave us Michelle Williams. Yes. And she was yes, actually so really weird. good in this, in this you know, WB dramedy from 1997. Yeah. I feel like you watch... The first three episodes of that, and you get Dawson's Creek. She was in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, that's where she came from. You watch watch the first three episodes of Dawson's Creek, and then watch all of the Fablemans, and tell me which is the better story about an aspiring (laughs) filmmaker with family problems. I will not take that that challenge, sir. I don't know if I'm going to watch. You know, I've been curious to see. Did you say uh, three seasons? No, episodes. Oh, episodes. Yeah, not not seasons. (laughs) Three. See, yeah, that's a lot of homework. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think I could do it just that. just went back to what we were talking about before. <laughs> we had, went on the air. So, yeah. No, that's cool. That's all, uh, very, all three different opinions about that film, which I – and I think that's, that's – a. it was number five on my list, by the way. And uh, the only thing I'll add about Michelle Williams is I just thought she was – you know, she took that material and did the best she could with it. And some parts she was transcendent with it. So that's yeah, some parts she was great. Some parts like the line I was just saying out loud. Well, they like, kept going oh, back to her too much. Over. That was a problem. You know, the movie struggled when it got to the high school stuff because it became like mm. another high school drama. Here's the mm. bully. He hates Jewish people. And then there was that whole soapy uh, scene with the bully at the end when he makes the movie about them at the beach. And then he's just like, I just wanted you to be nice to me for five minutes. It's like, why don't you just not interact with him? <laughs> well, and that's and that's sort of one of my issues with the Fablemans. It always goes a little bit too far. Yeah. And it's a little too handholdy. Like the scene where, spoiler alert, he realized that his mom is having an affair with the kind of uncle figure. Yeah. They Zapruder film the hell out of that because he's like looking at his film, like looking at the the still frames or something, yeah, or, or he's rewinding the, the, the dailies, right? And he keeps going back to it. I'm like, I get it, I saw it, I've been paying attention, but we watch that same rewinding forward like two times, uh, or for two minutes. But no, um, I think that high school bit would have been fine if they had just shown the movie that he filmed mm. and then have him just like walk out and that's the end of his high school career as far as the film is concerned because all of the stuff that you get in that kind of closing that that scene that comes after was in the movie that he showed you didn't have to say everything out loud about the bully or his little toady who's got the issue about like yeah he's really mean to people is because everyone kind of hates him and ignores him so he's like sadder than everybody else we don't need to see that again writ large for five minutes after the most powerful part of that story he is steven is what he is this is the movie he made you know i i i just uh appreciate it as i said parts of it and 
Yeah. Look, we'll I on. I am crapping all over your guys' no, favorite films of the no, year. No, Please no, do no. not uh, do not allow me no, if you would to steal any part of your joy. Sir. Okay. <laughs> the, the it made more, five on my Oscar list. The right. more you disagree, the more interesting the video is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I just, I, I don't like being in this position where I'm like, well, actually, you know. Positions yeah. of disagreement. I like it. No, it's I like, like I, it a lot. If, if we all had the same opinions about movies, movies would be pretty boring. That's true. You know? There would and be three less critics. In the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't give anyone any, yeah. any ideas. I mean, if anyone <laughs> were were to have the right to make a movie a, about a ten little Indians thing going, hmm. if if anyone had the right to make a movie about their life, I think it's Steven Spielberg. Well, Although I will say I the, right, the the later half got financed. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And well, he probably had to make another. He probably had to make Ready Player One to make this. I wouldn't be surprised. I do. Th- I think here's he another his checks for his own movies. <laughs> yeah. Here's another disappointment for me. Like again, most of the Fablemans for me was summarized in Dawson's Creek, yeah. when he graduates high school and moves out to California and is like living with his dad or his dad's coming to visit. It's kind of fuzzy yeah, what's crazy. going on there. I'm like. I want to see this movie where yeah. he gets that letter from CBS and he's like trying to break into the movies and and go from being a whiz uh-huh. kid in his hometown yeah. to like gradually moving up that ladder to being because I think when we leave the film, he's only like three years away from making fucking Jaws. Yeah. yeah. Like, where is that transition movie? Well, I yeah, that could have been the end. But that could have been the end. As scene I said, his Jaws. Freudian obsession was his undoing. Uh, maybe he thought he could have thought, "Hey, I want to make this movie about my mom. I mean, I'm cool. in a shark. I, I want to make a movie no, about a shark, mom." It's it's cool. <laughs> I mean, he made a movie about his mother. There's no denying it. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. it's crazy. I I, it's, I, 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 would, I would not want to see the movie that I would make about my mother. I would not want to see it. <laughs> I would make it, but I would not go to the premiere. I would just walk away and. and yeah, more strength than Spielberg had. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, and here's a Next. movie with what barely is, any restraints. Are we almost and, done here? Yes, we are. Thank right, God. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm meant, kidding. I, I didn't know how much was left. No, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to keep track of them. Uh, but. The Triangle of Sadness uh, is the, the next one. We're sitting in a triangle. <laughs> We're sitting uh, in a the triangle. The camera makes it a square. There you go. Or a sphere. The sadness is in the audience. Oh, All right. no. no. I'm just kidding. Yeah. That, that, that movie, uh, Triangle of Sadness, seems like a very unfocused film. Because we start the story with, and I had their names there. We, we started with Carl and Yaya. And, you know, the Carl is this male oh. model and yaya is like an instagram influencer so already you have commentary about social media and about fame and obsession and gender roles like there's like a whole 10 minute opening scene about a check at dinner (laughs) yeah they're they're, yeah they're arguing about who should pay the check and who makes more money and it's it's the most uncomfortable uh because it's it's always uncomfortable when you get your check after a meal like who's gonna pay for this and that scene goes on forever but then like halfway through the film they're inside this ship, and you meet all these other characters, and then the film breaks away from them, and you meet these crazy side characters who <laughs> make it through the third act of the film, but not really. But yeah, this is, this is a film that talks about greed, social media, how rich people are bad, but it's, it went on for way too long for me, especially in the, uh, you know, in the third half when, there, when it turned into, like, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what turned me off, like, a little bit. Like, if anything, that movie could have ended with uh, one, we'll say, poor character getting on top in the end. But she kind of, even she wasn't such a great person as we found Spoiler out. Spoiler alert. Yeah. 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 
But yeah, I mean, this is sort of that Oscar film where you're like, what, what the fuck movie is this in here? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was my reaction to it, um, because I feel like it's a movie that came out and people were aware that it came out, but there wasn't much conversation around it. Yeah. And for it to s kind of sneak in, I'll say, in that 10 spot, I'm like, well, now I actually have to watch it. Yeah. And I am glad I did. I really liked a lot of Triangle of Sadness. Um, I think the middle portion on the yacht is probably the strongest. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say it's one of those movies that I think is ruined if you watch the trailer. Yeah. Because I watched it with my wife. As I mentioned, like for the last few days, we've been going through this thing where like I have to watch all these Oscar movies. Which ones are we going to do? Yeah. And she's I'm like describing them to her like, does it have a trailer? So we watched Triangle of Sadness trailer and they showed the jungle part on there. So I'm like, really? OK, so at some point they're not going to be on the boat anymore. They're going to be in this jungle. Yeah. And after it was all over, because most of this I was really. Uh, elated by the fact that I had no idea where this movie was going. Yeah. Like from the opening, you know, cool. these two characters to the yacht and all that stuff. I wish I hadn't known that the explosion was going to happen and they end up because once that happens, you kind of figure out like, well, it's going to be a handful of people. It's going to become like, like you said, or Gilligan's Island, Lord of the Flies kind of a thing. Yeah. And so it kind of becomes predictable. So I would say, if I haven't ruined it for you already, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't watch the trailer. Just go into Triangle of Sadness and experience it. Yeah. Once the movie kind of dies, when Woody Harrelson does. No, uh, <laughs> we don't know if he dies. We don't know. If he we dies. don't know what happened to him. They just leave it open. Anyway. But the, the movie's the movie's at its I, best when it has its vomiting scene. It's the best vomiting scene oh I've seen God. since Team America. <laughs> <laughs> that that was meaning of life. Well. I haven't seen that in a long. I gotta. Does that have a good watch? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like the I like the part on the boat. You know, I, I think we're all in agreement yeah. that the part on the boat was uh, much better because, like, when they cross over the plane and get into the other other story, there's a lot of story to go. Yeah. You're just, and you're just like, we just saw a lot of story. <laughs> yeah. Now we got a lot of story to go again, and it's yeah. just uh, so. I mean, that's but am I surprised it's in the uh, top awards? No, because it, it was what Palm Dior at Cannes. Mm. You know, it's a it's a film that filmies vote for. Yeah. You know, and filmies are on the Academy. Yeah. So, say Slavi. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's just where if I go to my notes here just to remember anything about this film. Such I mean, is life. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> the film works best. I mean, I'll just I'll just go off of this. The film works best in the boat because we're focusing on these crazy side characters as they get progressively more and more obnoxious. And then once we break away from that and we're on the island, we're going, oh, we still have more to go and they got to get off this island. What are we going to do? There was a lot of story. A lot well, of story. But yeah. the, I think the if I had to give props to that island bit, yeah. it's the fact that we get to meet characters that yeah. we didn't really get to meet on the boat. Yeah. Right. Or we saw them as background people. And now we, like the, the few remaining privileged <laughs> folks, have to contend with them as people. Right. We yeah. get to see them as characters and, and what they do. And we find that the tables are very easily turned because yeah. you, when you're living a pampered life, you don't necessarily know how to do things like uh, yeah. catch a fish or, or make I, fire. I, yeah. But I thought that the, the, 
the kind of attack against the rich I thought was a little bit cartoony yeah. because yeah. me, and I was a Boy Scout, but if you put me on a desert island, I don't know if I could catch fish or light a fire too, and I'm far from you know being a billionaire influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, it was I'd a little be bit dead rocky. on that island right away. I'd be dead. And you'd be a fantastic meal for someone. No. Yeah. Well, I, I would have been, but then I lost all the weight, so there was less... You know, <laughs> You're, you'd, you'd be a lean cuisine. Yeah, <laughs> I wish the, um, the the themes of what they got on the island, what happened on the island, would have been stronger. Yeah, that was and the I, problem. The themes see all over the place. I, yeah, it was bouncing a bit. And I, again, I won't give any spoiler alerts, but you know, or, or any more spoilers. But the ending was not pleasing to me. I just so, thought of something, anyway. and I won't I won't get too far into it, but. There is a situation that happens over food and characters being deprived of food. Mm. I think if that had been just carried out to its logical conclusion, I think it would have said a lot more thematically of what they were trying to go for if those characters had actually died. Yeah, Yeah. you know, you can never, there's a lot of things you wish you could rewrite, but um, it it, it is what it is. Yeah. Basically, so. Yep. Is that all yeah, ten? That was it. You know what? I think we finished it. Oh my, my gosh. gosh. We did all ten. <laughs> oh, let's let's do let's do our so snubs. So now let's go to a snubs. Yeah, I think we all had the just same go around snub. the room. I got like ten Quickly minutes before did. I gotta get to my okay. meter, but yeah, we yeah. can do that totally. Well, all right. Let's just start with Oscar R-R-R. Snubs. <laughs> we'll start with R R R because all three of us are in agreement. This is the movie of the year. Yeah. This is the movie, movie, movie of movies. Mm-hmm. And they completely ignored it. No best international, no best picture. Now, why do you think they did that? Is it because they, they, they're they like, oh, that's Bollywood. We're not going to no. pay attention to that. I've heard people talk about it, and the most prevailing, I guess, reason is India did not put it up for their best international feature right. yeah. opportunity. They put up another movie, right. but that didn't get selected either because all the countries put up their pick, yeah. and then only like five of those out of all the countries who submit films get chosen. And India, they gambled, and they gambled incorrectly. Right. I feel like RR gets nominated, then it gets put up there for international picture, and possibly even, because we've seen this in the past, for I think Parasite, this happened a few years ago, yeah. best you know feature. But I feel like it didn't have that buzz of you know being put forth by india yeah um but it's it is but a crime it, it, it had 40 million views on netflix by the time the the voting came up yeah i'm like all you have to do is watch the picture and you'll understand why it has i, 40 I wonder million if they views. just yes. didn't watch it i wonder if they're like oh that's th- three hours we don't want to see some uh, silly it's, movie it's so. entirely possible but i mean like yeah. we've I been through we we went to a screening more. in chicago yeah. i've heard about other screenings well, that have popped up in you know, different parts making. of the country and yeah. people will share on social media like i just saw rr and they'll show like scenes from the crowds of people losing their damn minds like yeah. it's a party to go see this movie yeah and you talk about like saving cinema i think if this had gotten the same backing as top gun maverick yeah you know people would have gotten over the subtitle thing yeah. i think because it's it's an engrossing story just from the very from the very off and i think much like me i would hope it would open up people to exploring more international and, and specifically indian cinema yes yeah because yes. it's a great it's a great introduction to it Mm-hmm. You know, because there there's so much cinema, it's almost overwhelming. And sometimes I like to go through Indian cinema where it's like, where can I find a movie that's on a disc? That's <laughs> what I want to see. Because then it's like, there's something very, it's like, it's yours. You know, and you're happy to have that in your possession more than just scrolling through and finding it on Netflix. But yeah, RRR is a grand experience that does take people to the theaters. I will say one movie that did bring people to the theater as well mm-hmm. 
was uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. That People was the watched. end of the previous year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. previous mm -hmm. year. But that yeah. was sort of like the first spark of people returning oh, right. to the theater. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because everyone wanted to go there to see if Andrew and Toby would show up. And then they did. And then they went back and they went back and the, and the back. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think. And that, it was funny because there were a few movies that came out in the early part of 2022 big movies that tanked yeah but then then they would try and use the excuse so well people are still not sure after you know what we just went through for two years yeah but then you look at spider-man and then you look at minions which made like all the money like that doesn't work anymore guys yeah 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 exactly. so besides rrr what other snubs did you guys have mm. one that i saw a foreign film that i just talked about last week um no bears yeah which oh. just opened i think in chicago and it's playing some places it's kind of opened out late last year and kind of getting out now uh jafar panahi is an iranian filmmaker who yeah. made this is an inception movie where the last level of inception is actual life he's he's it's about a director playing himself hmm. filming a movie in a city that he's been exiled from so he is directing his cast and crew from across a border on a laptop, like on a mountain. He's filming a story about a couple who are trying to escape the city using like illegally obtained visas. Meanwhile, the characters who are playing the actors in that movie are in real life trying to escape and partially using the film production as cover. On top of that, Jafar Panahi, last July, was imprisoned by the Iranian government for making what they considered to be anti-government propaganda films and for supporting other dissidents. Oh my God. This past week, or probably two weeks ago by the time this comes out, he went on hunger strike oh in prison, and then two days later was released from prison. Jesus. This happened right before I watched this movie. So oh for gosh. it's a fantastic movie, but to just have that little bit of subtext, yeah. and if it's got like a home video <laughs> wow, release, I would hope to be like a postscript. I would take a favorable view to my viewing after hearing that. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's an extraordinary. It's it's, it's so not ex as exciting necessarily as I described it. It's kind of I'd slow of paced. Okay, I, I but was it's looking forward to seeing it. I, yeah, that's good. Talk it's, about putting you. everything on the line. Yeah. for for a movie. And that's a crime. So, I think that in, you know, RR definitely should be up there. But when I think about what Hollywood is supposed to be celebrating, the power of cinema, yeah. I think No Bears, as much as I love RR, everybody, that is, I think, the best film of 2022. And it got, like, wow. no love, partially because Iran did not put it up for Best Picture because its yeah. director was making movies against the government. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, when, I, when it comes to snubs, I was thinking of Best uh, Supporting Actress. Hung Chow for the Whale was well, fantastic. I, I thought um, we're talking picture. Uh, well, we talked anything oh, okay. that snubs. Oh, okay, I didn't know that was the Yeah, one. because for me, my, mine was RRR, you know, and Top Gun could easily be replaced by that one. I think All Quiet on the Western Front, that could be replaced with a different one. Well, yeah. Yeah, but did you have any? Yeah, for me, it was White Noise. The Northman, The Inspection, and The Batman. Wow. Yeah. The all, all, uh, all five, if you include RRR, just intrigued the heck out of me when I saw them. And that's, that's pretty much... I had re read White Noise in the yeah. 80s. I mean, it had been years since I read I didn't know it was based on a novel. As, the, mm. as soon as the movie started unspooling, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my... You know, it was like the Rolodex of my brain started working again. And so a great adaptation. Thumbs up to Noah. And those are my 
That's another one, just like All Quiet on the Western Front. That was direct to Netflix, wasn't it? Correct. And that's, like, All Quiet on the Western Front, I feel like that getting Best Picture was almost on the same level as, or the nomination, as Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. People are like, wait a second, that All Quiet on the Western Front, didn't that just come out on Netflix like a week ago? And yeah. now it's being nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. yeah it wasn't was on weird. my, it wasn't on it my was, radar until, like, last, you know, a few days I when I it, saw it. I think it. It went on Netflix before it was even considered, I guess. Maybe, but I just like I feel steam. like I feel like I just heard about it like when the Oscars came out as an, as like a new movie. So I, I don't agree. Know. I, I, that's where I well I knew it was on the radar, but I I was like I can move along after yeah. that one. And <laughs> yeah. I had to watch it yeah. over the last two days. Yeah, but mine was <laughs> RRR, and for and just thinking of perform- I was shocked that Hong Xiao didn't get nominated for the whale. I thought she because did. I thought she did. No, she didn't. No, I'm almost positive she did. Really? Yeah. I, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, never mind. Then she got nominated. Never <laughs> mind. I'm going to shut the fuck up now. No, no, no. No, it's fine. I, I mean, it was it, it, it was memorable because they said, oh, look, at, you know, there's there's Asian Americans are being uh, uh, nominated. So, Let's yeah. See, and that an was actress? a particular big category. Cause oh, yes. She is on there. I'm right. No, nope. you're, you're right. You're right. No I'm worries. sorry. Well, and that was, you know, that was another one of those uh, cases where she's integral to the story of the whale. Yeah. yeah. But she's not in the movie a whole lot because no. it's more about Brendan Fraser and his daughter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she makes quite an impact in the few scenes that she has. Yeah. Well, more, know, more than Judy Dench did for Shakespeare in Love, for sure, yeah. but it's like it's a minimalist performance. I yeah, will well, say it, it. It's, it's length, too. You know, the other short one is Beatrice Strait in Network, and if you see that one single scene that she does, you're just, like, blown away. Uh, Judy Dench, you're right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, felt, I felt her was closer to the spectrum of, um, of Beatrice Strait than than dench mm-hmm. you know i thought she definitely made a presence in the film an impactful presence and i yeah. you know well i think that's I'm it glad for we got to talk about her, yeah actually. yeah that's and great. i'm glad we got to talk about all the oscar stuff because mm. i'm gonna wrap it up here so guys thank you so much for watching the oscars are coming out march of march 12th i believe and yeah do you guys agree with our opinions on the films do you disagree please let us know in the comments and I would like to thank Pat McDonald from Hollywood, Chicago. And Ian, <laughs> and Ian Simmons from Kicking the Seat. I'm Mike Crawley from You'll Probably Agree. You can find all of our stuff at YPA Reviews. And the YPA stands for, you guessed it, You'll Probably Agree. <laughs> Enjoy the Oscars.